We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
All right, folks, it is the Friday Live Build, back by popular demand. You guys enjoy the lineup reviews on Monday, but boy, do you love the Live Builds. And there was a few people in the comments last week saying, man, you got to get this CSU Ram 88s on the Live Build. And I said, I think I can make that happen. And lo and behold, look who is joining me now. Pete, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm uh, blessed to be in your presence. You're just a beautiful human being. And uh, hopefully we can start turning it around on DraftKings. I'm uh, in contention in the gridiron, and I, I need a big week to get even on the DraftKings football season. Yeah, how is, uh, how's your season going overall? I know you uh, booked a win in the, uh, the three-man a couple weeks ago. That was nice. Yeah, but to win in the three-man for the first time in two years, it feels good. You know, you should win 25% of the time. I'm winning about 5%, so that's pretty <laughs> solid. Uh, kind of the same story, doing uh, well around the industry. Just DraftKings has kind of been my Achilles heel for a little while, so uh, trying to figure that out, and hopefully we can have some uh, good stuff going this show. And we were talking a little pre-show. Best ball and season-long is trending, so I'll be that guy who's uh, – talking about a season long teams, but uh, yeah, stoked to be here with you, man. That's the Davis Maddock move. When, when uh, DraftKings isn't going well, we start talking about our season long team. Oh, so. <laughs> it, it's, it's an hour into the game. It's like, well, drawn dead this week, might as well start sweating the season long. So yeah, That's right. uh, I'm stoked for this, man. Nice. Yeah. So if this is your guys' first time tuning into this, this is what I would call a hashtag process show. Uh, later in the episode, we will uh, build a lineup, but do not get caught up on the individual picks. Do not message us saying, why didn't you have exposure to this game? This is all to talk through different ways we're thinking about ownership, correlations, late swap, et cetera, et cetera. So if you view it from that angle, I think you will enjoy it. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to teach some people how to fish here. And I'm trying to teach myself how to fish as well, Pete. Well, bud, I'm a fish, so hopefully you can reel me in. <laughs> so I thought one place we could start is taking a look at my lineup here from last week. Uh, I went with kind of a chalkier game stack with the Watson to Hopkins and bringing it back with Waller. I tried to get unique with Kiki Kuti, and that backfired. Uh, I guess my question that I've been thinking about a lot, Pete, is if you're approaching, say, a single entry or three max, and you know you have to get unique at some spots to you know ultimately take down the tournament. Are you looking to get unique in the game stack, or do you like eating the chalk there and then getting unique outside of that game? Yeah, great question, and something I'm trying to figure out as well. Uh, this team actually looks super similar uh, to what I built. Kiki Kute burned me in a big way uh, over on FanDuel last week, but. Uh, yeah, I was all in on those running backs that you have there. I had some David Montgomery, so I shouldn't say all in, but uh, was high on the Tennessee passing game as well. So I uh, like this team quite a bit. And to answer your question, right now I, I'm trying to identify some other game stacks that might be a little less owned. Uh, I think, you know, one thing I'm doing that uh, is proven to work and you see other sharp players utilized is basically jamming in some of the chalkier running backs and trying to get contrarian. Uh, with the receivers and the pass catchers, which is going to lead to uh, attacking some game stacks that aren't quite as chalky. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that's probably, even though I played all these same guys, the team I used in the gridiron was a Watson stack with Hopkins uh, and Waller as well. Um, I think the mistake there is just the ownership. Um, the ownership's just so high on on that stack, specifically Watson, Hopkins, Waller, 
uh, that you probably are better off going with uh, a different game to stack. Even though it's a high equity spot, um, I think I'm eating the chalk too often. When you, um, I think one thing that has also happened to me with regards to thinking about chalk is, you know, I'll look at our ownership projections. I know you guys have them over at Action as well. And I think they're generally tailored toward like the Millie Maker or the larger field stuff. And you'll see, we'll have the quarterbacks here all at 14, 11%. I think last week we had, you know, Watson around the 18 to 20%. And then he comes in at 31% in a single entry tournament, should I just always be applying like a 1.5 X ownership premium on these plays in the more narrow or single entry three max contests? That's a good question. I don't think you have to do it all the time, but I do think like the top projected play uh, at quarterback goes more owned than a lot of the ownership projections. Cause I think in the millionaire maker, those ownerships go down specifically because a lot of the pros are jamming in more contrarian game stacks and quarterbacks and are fading the chalk in a big way. So I do think that the millionaire maker ownership projections are a little bit better. And when you get into these single entry contests or three max, you know, a lot of people are jamming in their cash game teams. A lot of people are jamming in like their higher equity teams, which are going to include a lot of chalky players. So to me, uh, something I'm trying to work on and want to be more cognizant of is, how can I avoid eating like the really heavy chalk? And I think specifically, you know, Deshaun Watson's a great example. Uh, you know, these high total games, like the highest total game on the board, when you end up going with the game stack, you just end up eating a ton of chalk. Just like I said, Watson, Hopkins, and Waller. It's just so heavily owned that you just, you really have to pick up leverage elsewhere. And like, I would rather eat the chalk at the running backs. And it's easy to say after, you know, Latavius goes ham and a lot of the chalk you're running backs do well, but, in general, the chalkier running backs, you know, have a much more narrow range of outcomes because they're seeing so much opportunity and they're in such good spots that it makes more sense to eat the chalk there and be contrarian elsewhere. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm going to take a quick detour to give a shout out to the chat. We got the YouTube chat going. We got the Grinders live chat. Big T is in here wondering if you have pants on. Actually, someone else was wondering and Big T has a definitive no, you're definitely not wearing pants right now. Can you confirm or deny this rumor. I got the pants on. I got the standing desk. I mean, I, I don't have to wear pants for the same reason Big T does. Big T has uh, such a long hose that uh, <laughs> shorts or anything else, you know, won't contain the hose. So, uh, yeah, I do have pants on, but for different reasons than Big T. And, yeah, my time mostly on Rotor Grinders now is uh, for the morning wood. Uh, just a little bit different vibe on this show than the morning wood. Yeah, no, we're getting morning wood, hose talk. I mean, we are one pipe away from uh, getting the full Monty of, uh, you know, euphemisms there. So one thing, too, I want to um, talk about, again, more large. So this is my spreadsheet, Pete, of me firing at the single entry bankroll challenge. Uh, You'll notice I've bubbled the last three weeks, barely cashed the week before that. That actually has me maybe a little nervous that I may be building too conservative of lineups if I'm always hovering in this range. Do you think I can read into that, or is that too small of a sample size to make that kind of assumption? No, I mean, this This honestly looks very similar to what I'm doing, and uh, that I think that's really been my problem on DraftKings because it's a more tournament-oriented site, and a lot of the prize pools uh, have a huge emphasis on finishing first, and uh, you know, I, I built my DFS career and a lot of my start by just playing the highest optimal lineups. And those teams were more contrarian in the early days of the industry. And now 
uh, the market's gotten so efficient that you really have to figure out ways to, to gain leverage versus the field. And I can't tell you how much money I've lost over the last couple of years uh, having a lot of teams min cash or just be right there on the bubble. Uh, I look at my tournament teams, you know, most weeks and a standard week for me is I'll have 10 tournament teams, two will cash, like min cash, maybe one's good. And then all 10 teams, or like eight of the 10 teams will be above, you know, 50%, but they're all in that range of like, you know, not getting paid and just above average. And I think that's because I'm eating too much chalk. Um, that's just the brutal honesty and just, yeah, yeah. to me, so, just looking at your results, that's what it looks like you're doing as well. Yeah. So how do we like, so one thing I've been trying to do is look at my average ownership percentage on these lineups. Mm-hmm. Do you have a rule of thumb of like, you know, I think I've been hovering in like the 13 to 15% range. Do, do I need to be getting under 10% average to have a shot at, at the top? Or do you have a, a rule of thumb you like to take? Well, our boy Levitan has been talking about 15% around the industry. And I think everyone's just picked that up. And I think 15% across the board is, is different depending on your lineup. Uh, like I mentioned before, I really do believe uh, it's okay to eat the chalk with these running backs because their range of outcomes is more narrow. And I think it's really, really important to get these game stacks and your quarterback stacks at lower ownership. Uh, just because receivers are, are – their range of outcomes are so much more wide uh, than these running backs. So, yeah, you could have 15%, uh, but if you're eating the chalk at the receiver position, like that's not nearly as good as, uh, you know, eating the chalk at the running back position. And obviously you have Latavius at 52.5%, but um, to me I think that's, that's what I'm really trying to work on is identifying – how can I be contrarian in some of these spots that are a little different? And shout out to Ricky D, freaking guy is just an all-time stud. Somehow is fifth in the single entry here. Unbelievable. The guy, if you want to look at lineups right now, in my opinion, I mean, Chipotle Addict and Papa Gates have been uh, the best players for years in tournaments, but the best player in 2019 in all sports has been Ricky D. So if you're looking at lineups to analyze, Ricky D is doing it better than anybody. Well, yeah, Look at his ownership right there. I was just going to say, holy cow, basically only one play, well, only one play over 12%. Wow. He's, so he's he, made millions and millions and millions of dollars this year. He's, he's probably having the best 2019 of any DFS player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this lineup here, obviously the the Schaub to uh, Julio and Hooper, he got an extreme low ownership. Um, he was willing to eat the chalk on Latavius, got on two of the kind of boom-bust running backs who are a little touchdown dependent, but both in good spots there. And then obviously the the Mike Evans hammer there as well. What Do you have any other thoughts on this lineup other than it being awesome? No, it's, it's just beautiful. I mean, he has the game stack uh, with Atlanta, Seattle, which is a high total, but he gets a really low ownership, which is what you want to do. He gets Schaub, Julio, and Hooper. He has a four-man stack, which I think is optimal, and he has really low ownership on it. I mean, 1%, 1%, 8%, 4%. It's just sexy as hell. Mike Evans, who everyone knew was a really strong play in tournaments last week, 10% is probably fine. And really the only chalk that he ate was Latavius Murray, but he's such high equity that I think, uh, I mean, he was a lock in all formats for me. So I have no problem with that. Uh, The one thing that I'm a little curious on is he has Mike Evans and the Buccaneers defense. Um, That's certainly something I'm not doing. I think I'm playing running backs and defenses almost exclusively, but maybe that's something that's being overused. And uh, maybe there's some value in using the receiver and defense as well. Yeah. Yep. Well, this is uh 
This is a very good lineup. I'm, I'm very jealous of it. Everyone was giving me a hard time last week because I was d- almost, I was on Tevin Coleman. Uh, basically, yeah. I was going to play Sony Michelle. And then if Rex Burkhead was active, I was going to swap to Tevin Coleman. But the Rex Burkhead news came out so early that I swapped to David Montgomery, which was fine. But, you know, Tevin obviously explodes. So uh, not to shout out myself, but I would my, my my best tournament week was last week over on FanDuel and I had a ton of Tevin Coleman. San Francisco defense. Um, there you go. Which I, we can hopefully apply to this week and other weeks is just identifying those really good teams and really good players that might not be in the you know the best spots. Although Carolina, I think you know coming in, we're an underrated defense. Then you know Silva and a lot of guys are promoting them and talking about how good they are. They have been you know kind of a run funnel. Uh, they've been really good against the pass, much worse, much worse versus the run, which is what led me uh, to Tevin Coleman. Yeah. Okay, let's start now focusing our attention on this week nine slate. I mean, one thing that has me uh, very excited about it here is just how good this 4 p.m. slate is. It seems like there's going to be a ton of options for late swapping, getting leverage if you're behind. What is your thought when building lineups when we have a good late slate? Because these are few and far between. Are you going heavier on these later games because of that optionality? I am and love the optionality talk. Getting talking about the morning wood, this is getting me excited. I, I know uh, how to get to your heart, Peter. Yeah, you, you really do. Uh, I mean, look, the 1 p.m. only games are, are mostly totals in the low 40s, and then we have, you know, three of the four or five best games in the late slate. So you want to maintain optionality. You want to maximize your ability to pivot. And I think, you know, some of these guys might be lower owned uh, in some of these spots. So, yeah, I think this late slate's awesome. And probably one of the best slates of the year, uh, six games in 1 PM, which is great and four games for the 4 PM. So red zone should be great. And it won't be one of those weeks where it just comes to a grinding halt. I really, really like how this week sets up and you really, like you said, I think you want to maximize your optionality and make sure you have the ability to pivot. Um, so there's a lot of spots here that I really like. So I know I said, just move on, but I do want to talk about like how to think about late swap. So last week, for instance, I, you know, I had the Carson Latavius and uh, Montgomery. Those were playing well. And I knew I had this chalky game stack going. I let it ride, you know, thinking I had hit decently. That was maybe a little naive considering how many big performances there were. What is your like threshold uh, for where you sit in a contest of being like, all right, we need to get contrarian to really make up ground or I'm going to let it ride and eat the chalk. How do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think in your specific spot you needed to get contrarian, like super contrarian. I probably would have let it ride too, given how things started. Uh, you know, in hindsight, it's easy to say maybe one thing you could have done is gone more the Oakland route and not not that that would have paid off like in a much different way, but maybe you go Carr, Waller, Tyrell, Hopkins or something like that. Um was the AJ Brown that Tennessee game? That was one of the 1 p.m. games, right? Yeah, yeah. So you had, had one kind of out. big dud at the start, so you, you know you're in a little bit of trouble with that. But rest of your team, I mean, Latavius goes off; he's heavily owned. Montgomery uh, was really nice, and he was late too, though, right? Yeah, now I can't remember. Um, I can't remember either. I just see no. It, it was 1 p.m. Yeah. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah. Okay, so it was 1 p.m. So all those guys were 1 p.m. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a tricky that that's an interesting one because you've had like a pretty good start but not a great start. So what do you do there? In the thing that you were talking about how these contests are so top heavy, you know, I was I've been trying to do kind of the expected value math in my head like if I have 
uh, let's say I thought I had like a 60% chance at a min cash there with that team letting it ride. So that's like $115 of expected value. Whereas if I get super contrarian and I think I have a 10% chance at a top 200 finish, that's only $350. That's like $35 of expected value. So that's why I was like letting it ride where I feel like the contrarian pivots really make sense if you're hovering in this like top 50 range and really trying to spike to the top. Yeah. After the morning, you were probably pretty thin to win first, which is obviously where the majority of the equity is. So you're in kind of a tough spot, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I, I do the same thing. But in general, I think I have a tendency to jam in the highest equity plays versus really thinking about how to be contrarian, which is a, a leak in my tournament game. Yeah. Um, so what? Um, let's talk now here. What is interesting uh, – uh, what is interesting to you as far as games to attack another kind of narrative to this slate is how few high total games there are not too many pace up spots. It seems like everyone's going to be gravitating to this Tampa Bay Seattle game. Are you also looking there? Or are you thinking of getting different? So the game that I liked as the lowest total is the, is the uh, uh, Dolphins game. I actually like that game quite a bit uh, just because there's so much value in that game. And uh, there's really not that much value on the slate in general. Uh, we did get news, and I need to go through everything. Uh, looks like Connor's doubtful, so now Jalen Samuels becomes you know a really strong play. But uh, outside of that, I need to go through a little bit more news things. But I actually like this game quite a bit, and I think there's going to be some interesting ways to be contrarian. I think Le'Veon Bell is just a phenomenal play, and I think because of his price. Not many people are going to be on him. Uh, he's busted his chalk so far this year. And at 7,700, you're basically picking him over other really good running backs. And I think the majority of people are going to pay up for Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, which is going to lead this range really under-owned. Uh, especially now with Jalen Samuels, I think people are going to go stars and scrubs with their running backs. So uh, I like Nick Chubb quite a bit. I like Aaron Jones. And uh, I like Le'Veon Bell. We also have the squeaky wheel narrative. A uh, big report out that uh, you know about Gaze and Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon's expecting more opportunity this week. So, love Le'Veon Bell in this game. I think Robbie Anderson's one of the best tournament plays on the board. Uh, I actually like Jamison Crowder quite a bit. I know Demarius has been stealing some of the uh, target share, but historically, uh, you know, Darnold's really thrown to the slot, and I think Crowder showed that huge report early in the year. So, all the Jets make sense to me. And then on the Dolphins side, you have all these cheap receivers, and I think they're all interesting. I mean, Devontae Parker scored three touchdowns, three straight weeks, didn't score last week, but still looking good. Preston Williams, shout out to CSU, love the talent, preseason monster, uh, has huge upside, and these guys are cheap. So I have no problem with basically anyone in this game, and uh, I think you can build a small stack around that and then leave a lot of optionality for the late slates. Um, and I also have no problem like stacking one of the later games. I do think Seattle-Tampa Bay is going to be really chalky, so maybe – we should fade that even though I'm you know, wanting to go there. Uh, what do you think about the Detroit-Oakland game or the Chargers-Packers uh, game? Do you think either one of those is chalky? I think, I think that Detroit-Oakland game will probably end up being the second chalkiest game. I think Stafford is going to end up being uh, very popular. I think people are going to go back to Galladay. Um, I, the thing that's interesting to me about that game is there seems like there's some good leverage spots there as far as um it doesn't seem like marvin jones is going to be too popular this yeah. week he seems to be in a good spot there we got him down here at seven percent um what about I could danny amendola and hawkinson i like both those guys 
Well, so that's interesting because I, I actually wanted to bring this up when you were mentioning Crowder, and it's kind of similar to the Kiki Kuti play last week, and obviously Amendola falls into this realm as well. How do you think about these guys that are lower A dot but potentially high volume guys, but you're going to need them to get what nine to ten catches and get in the end zone to really win a tournament? How are you? How do you think about those type of guys as far as giving you access to a ceiling that you need? Yeah, and generally you want to fade him. Uh, I think Amendola, well, first of all, I think Jamison Crowder could do it as well, which is why I brought him up, and they're, they're cheap, which is nice. But Amendola specifically, I mean, he's seen 19 targets the last two weeks, converted uh, 16 catches. He's gone for 200 yards the last two weeks, and he hasn't scored. So you just need a touchdown, which I don't think is like – obviously the red zone targets are going to be uh, Hawkinson, Galladay, and Marvin Jones. But with this Detroit team, uh, they're working on Jay Ajahi – they clearly don't trust Ty Johnson. They ran Trey Carson a bunch, who's not a good player. Uh, so I think they're just going to have to throw a lot more, which uh, should be really good for all these guys. So I actually am pretty pretty excited about Danny Amendola, uh, more so than, than Crowder. I think Crowder's, you know, you're just trying to get really contrarian because he'll probably come in sub-5% for sure. And, yeah. and Amendola will be low-owned too, relatively. But, man, the opportunity's right there, and he just needs a touchdown because over 100 yards and, like, eight catches is in the – you know, really in the realm of possibility. And that's 21 points right there. You get the touchdown. Uh, you're in that tournament winning upside already. But in general, to your point, you want to be avoiding these guys. Yeah. And I think maybe the best way to think about it and tell me if you agree would be, you want to be on these guys when one, they're going to be low owned. You do not want to play chalky low a dot guys. No. And then, and then two, when you also can leverage a situation like if everyone's on Kenny Galladay and you're leveraging Amendola. So those, maybe if those two criteria line up, then, then you can uh, enter that, that slot. Right. Wide receiver and territory. it's a great, it's a great spot too, right? Like we know Oakland's a pass funnel. We know that the, where we're expecting the Lions to have to throw a lot. So I really like Amendola a lot this week. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite plays and, Levitan called him a four condom play, which uh, <laughs> makes total sense. But I think he's a, a phenomenal option because he's just got a, a really, really high floor. And I, I do think the ceiling is there if he could be fortunate enough to catch a touchdown, which obviously is not as high of a likelihood as a lot of other receivers. But um, the other nice thing for him, too, is he's unlikely to kill you, which is also important in these tournaments. Like, you would have easily cashed if you get, don't get the zero from Kute, right? Right. Um, so there, I mean, you're you're thinking about ceiling more than anything, but floor is still relevant. Yeah, um, Kevin in the chat uh, brings up something I was just thinking about earlier about this Vikings Chiefs game flying under the radar. I know you love you uh, some Chiefs, some Tyree Kill, some Travis Kelsey. We also love Diggs. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, I freaking love this game. Assuming Mahomes plays, the the downside. Of- of this game, but maybe it turns into a really good spot is that, uh, you know, all these guys are expensive I mean, they priced up everyone uh, on Minnesota and the chiefs guys are all really expensive as well. So it's going to come down to Mahomes plays, but if he does, uh, it becomes a really interesting spot. But like Travis Kelsey's really expensive. Tyree kills really expensive. Dalvin cooks really expensive. Diggs is expensive and Thielen's expensive coming off the hamstring. So it's a, uh, it's a tricky spot in that regard, but paying up to be contrarian has been a strategy that's worked really well. And, you know, you pair this game with some of those Dolphins and Jets guys. It's really interesting. I think the biggest challenge on this slate is there's not that much value, although value did just open up with Jalen Samuels, who's now probably going to be really heavily owned. Yeah. 
What this is another kind of macro trend this season of I've joked about it being like the buy high model, you know, the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin situations, the Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kenny Dolliday, Marvin Jones. You know, people are getting so sharp where they're now anticipating this stuff. They're looking at regression, you know, all these peripherals that point to these big games. Where do you stand on the being one step ahead or going back to the Marvin Jones or the Diggs or the the, the Mike Evans after the big game? Yeah, it's interesting. Like you look at DFS golf, people are really hesitant to take the winner after they won the next week. Uh, and in DFS football, you know, people are much more prone to recency bias and do it. Um, it just depends. Uh, it's dynamic to the situation and how owned they're going to be, specifically receivers. I think that's one thing that uh, if you look through the best players, they're just really fading these chalky receivers. And that's that to me is the, the big thing is like if Kenny Galladay is going to be big chalk this week, I love fading him. Even though I'm a huge Kenny Galladay truther, he's been one of my, you know, outside of Amari Cooper, probably the guy I've talked about the most and been most excited to play. But if you tell me Kenny Galladay is going to be heavily owned, like that's such an easy fade because uh, Marvin Jones can do it. Danny Amendola can do it. Maybe they run touchdowns in this week. Like Ty Johnson maybe could be a play. Um, Even though I respect this Oakland run defense, I think they are a pass funnel. So long story short, Pete, I think the key is uh, fading these chalky receivers. Yeah, I agree. And like, and when you do look at those winning lineups, like you said, it's, it's very, you know, few and far between where you're going to see a mega chalk receiver in there, unless it's like the Will Fuller, you know, explosion game where everyone's on him and he's cheap mm-hmm. and a nut spot. But, you know, you look here at our ownership, we got Godwin coming in 22%, Mike Evans coming off of just a massive game at 12%. And it's this thing again, right? Wouldn't you say, I mean, you were playing in the wild, wild West days. If this was five years ago, what would be the ownership on Evans and Godwin this week coming off of last week's game? Yeah, it's low. I mean, the, the Will Fuller week was my best week by a large margin in terms of just like net results. And like, yeah, you know, I, I have a 200% ROI that week. Right. And back in the wild, wild West, I would have had like thousands of percent ROI, like <laughs> been in a really good chance to win. And that would have made my year. And that's the difference. Like Will Fuller does nothing all year and he's in a great spot. Everyone recognizes it. And now he's 25% up. So that's, uh, that's a big difference between the industry now. And I do think Mike Evans will be popular this week. Um, I think Godwin will be really popular too. I, that, that's a good question. Who's going to be more owned out of those two? I think, I think it's the, the people getting sharp thing and they're going to go, go to uh, Godwin and they're not yeah. going to want to chase the points. Yeah. I mean, they're both going to be heavily owned. That's the other thing, too, with this team, right? Like, everyone knows where they're going. Yeah. I wish we, had, we could have some conviction on one of these running backs, but, like, how do you play, you know, Jones, Barber, or Ogunbowle, or whatever he is? Like, you can't you can't touch those guys. So, it's just – it's really tough. And that's the hard part about that game is it's hard to be contrarian. Yeah. I mean, the I, they all got targets last week. The one nice thing, Ronald Jones finally getting some targets, four targets. He, he obviously looks like the most talented guy. I mean, if you're going to take a leverage stand in that game, although <laughs> playing a, a running back on the Bucks on the road in Seattle seems like a recipe for, you know, punting off money, but mm-hmm. um Let's uh, let's start getting into the lineup build. There is one question here. It's another kind of macro strategy question. And I feel like I fall into this trap as well. Just it's a general stacking thing. You know, it just feels so comforting to do the one quarterback, the two receivers, bring it back with another pass catcher. I think we like 
doing those stacks because it eliminates decisions for us because there's so many decisions we can make. At least if we do a game stack, that is already self-contained. But I find myself getting burned a lot and I see these better lineups sometimes doing skinnier stacks or doing a different type of bring back. What's your general philosophy on just stacking in general? Gosh, I mean, Pete, I can't tell you how easy it was to just print money back in 2013, 14, 15, 16. Because I, I've been doing game stacks. Even in 2012, when I won the FanDuel Championship, I was one of the only guys to have a game stack. So I've been, this was one of my, you know, bread and butter moves. And now everyone's doing it. So I don't know. Like that, that, that's, it's clearly the right move in terms of correlation. It's giving you the most upside. You need these games to shoot out. And we're in a position now where, the market's gotten just so much more efficient. So figuring out how to be unique uh, is much more challenging. You you have to figure out ways uh, to give up just a little bit of equity and gain leverage versus the field. And uh, to be honest, I, I just am not, I have not evolved enough. So I want to talk through that with you. I do think uh, I've made too many like four and five man stacks where I should be really focusing on these three and four man stacks and getting more leverage in other scenarios. But I still think the game stacks are the, the right move. It's just finding those games. And to, you know, highlight another great player, Ricky D, who we mentioned before, that winning lineup was a game stack. So I still think that that's the right move. It's just one of those things where, you know, the market's gotten way more efficient. I mean, the most obvious example of that versus the glory days of DFS, like 2013, 2014, 2015, in baseball, people didn't even need, know to stack there. Like, it was like, you know, 30, 40% of the lineups are stacks. Now you look at baseball tournaments now, it's like, 80, 90% of the games are stacked. So it's just another point where DFS has gotten more efficient, but we got to find those edges. Yeah, and I think one trap that I fall into is sacrificing a really good play just because I've already started to build my lineup around the stack. I think the stack makes sense when all the pieces fit, but you know, a good example would be last week, everyone played Latavius Murray but not as many people played both Latavius Murray and Michael Thomas, even though they were great mm-hmm. spots. Cause I think that gets our like correlation, you know, stuff. It's we negatively feel correlated. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, how do we make sure that we don't miss on those spots when two guys are in clear spots and you can play them both together? Yeah. Well, the one easy thing to say now uh, is play Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees is 4% last week. You play him with those two, you're off to a really good start. Um, but yeah, I struggle with that too. I, I don't in general make lineups that are negatively correlated very often. Uh, so I didn't have any lineups, with Michael Thomas and Latavius Murray together. And that proved to be a mistake. And I think with Michael Thomas specifically, uh, he's just so likely to get there relative. Like he's, he's as consistent of a receiver to get to 20 points because he's low a dot and he's still high ceiling. So yeah. because of that his range of outcomes is just so good for DFS and yeah. Latavius Murray was in an all time smash spot. So that's probably a mistake, and it's easy to say that after the result. But, man, I struggle with that. I really try not to have negatively correlated uh, guys, and maybe that's a big mistake and something I need to plug in, plug up. Yeah, and especially, we, you know, again, last week, an example where you see Mike Evans and Cup and, and Nuke and Michael Thomas all go off, and it is a good reminder of, like, if you do I identify the, the massive ceiling guy that could see, you know, an outsized percentage of that team's production, and you can get all of those guys in, in a way that is – you know, positively correlated to, and that you're just attacking the best option, but let's, let's move on here. Let's build 
a lineup for this week. So let's do this like swole cast style where we go back and forth and we do try to, you know, play off of each other's picks, get some good correlations in there. And then what I also like to do is then think through a couple scenarios for how we might uh, late swap if we're behind or let it ride, et cetera. Does that sound good to you? Let's do it. Dude, look at you multitasking in the chat here, talking about magnums for Big T. I mean, you are you're just a pro at this stuff, Pete. I mean, big big T's in the chat. We're just lucky to be graced by such. Uh, you know, Big T is just an all time legend. I mean, yeah, he's. We love it. We love it. We what need we need we need some here? loans. We should we should get loans from Big T. I mean, the guy's just swimming in cash. So if uh, the bankroll challenge goes south, ask Big T for some money. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my colleague Pete Manzanelli almost had Big Big T on the line for a $600 man's coin, but I haven't heard back from him that Big T, that offer uh, still stands. Uh, all right, Pete, I'm giving you first pick here. Uh, I know you mentioned you like that Dolphins-Jets game. Uh, is that where you're going to go with your first pick? Yeah, let, let, let's do it. I'll, uh, I'll start off on brand. Let's go Preston Williams uh, as a play. Okay. And then I guess let's just get the elephant out of the room here. All right. Is Jalen Samuels a lock button? Is he our generation's Latavius Murray? I think so. I mean, a single entry. uh, And this is a good question. He's at a running back position that uh, I'm okay eating the chalk. And it's just so hard to see him failing at this price tag unless he gets hurt. Yep. Yep. So I will do that as my pick. I'll take the uninteresting one because people want to hear your picks way more than they want to hear mine. So are you, are you stacking up Preston? Or are you going to go on the, uh, the jet? Let's side? go to the other side. I'll let you choose. Uh, you get, I'll, I'll, we'll do a hybrid choice here. Robbie Anderson or Le'Veon Bell. You choose. So that's in it. Let's pull up our ownership here because I'm with you. I really like Robbie Anderson. If he, he's again, one of those guys though, if he was chalky, we uh, we wouldn't want to be on him just considering his boom bust profile. We have him at eight percent. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, I I like ten. Robbie Anderson at eight percent. Le'Veon Bell we have at twelve percent. Do you have a threshold on his percentage to where you wouldn't be on him as much? I, I love Le'Veon Bell this week. I think he's. Uh, I mean, I think both plays are awesome. So twelve um, percent for a running back, I think is fine, and I could actually see that ownership being a little bit lower. Although we have freaking Levitans tweeting about the squeaky wheel narrative. So tough are you to, kidding tough. me? I know. I this know. guy, it just just stick to tweeting out the Halloween pictures, Levitan. We know that's what get all the engagements. You know, just, you don't need to ruin the He needs to tweet out the dogs, the kids. I mean, he's got so many shticks he can go to. Like, stop giving out the goods. All right. Well, we're big T's making a push for us to play both Robbie and Lev together. Should we just give the people what well, they Well, if want? we do that, we gotta play Darnold, I think. Oh yeah. Although yeah. that to your point, that would then just be, you know, is this a scenario where we play both uh, without without Darnold with a negative <laughs> correlation? I, I I never do that, but maybe that's a, a leak. See, I think the calculus for me changes a little bit based on how Robbie scores, right? Because right, I totally agree. I was thinking the same thing. Right. Where if it was, like how does he we, do well? Where Darnold doesn't do well. Right. Whereas we could maybe make that argument if we were playing Bell and Crowder together, right? Where we could maybe not mm. use. But Darnold goes for like 250 yards, two touchdowns, but those guys each get a ton of targets and catches. Yeah. So let's, yeah, let's do that. Do you, because Le'Veon Bell catches passes, do you just think of him as an extension of the stack as opposed to being negatively correlated with Darnold in the red zone? Uh, I think he's potentially negative correlated, but he can easily catch a touchdown. And I expect a lot of passes to go his way. So I love that. I mean, we have a perfect four-man stack. Um, 
and we have Jalen Samuels. So I like the start of this team a lot. Yeah, shout out to the RG extension here. And Nicole, this thing is sweet. We can see our uh, percentages owned here. We got a very contrarian stack here with Darnold to Robbie at uh, 4.17.5. Bring it back with Preston Williams at 7.5. So let's do it. Let's go. Big T, the windmill. That's right. That's right. Big T never does the windmill on the morning wood. That was a pretty weak windmill (laughs) because I'm in the confined space. But Oh, hey, God. I actually, you just gave me a right reminder because there's something I've been wanting to message Big T. So first of all, Big T, your use of the Righteous Gemstone gifts on Twitter is legitimately my favorite thing. I laugh every single time. But this is what we need you to do, Big T. I need you to have someone record you doing these motions, the Righteous Gemstones motions, and I will turn them into gifts. And then we can have the Big T gifts of those same things online. It'll break the internet. My people will talk to your people. We're going to make this happen, okay? Um, we got some, a comment in the chat that I actually really agree with in general. Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense for this lineup, but I think fading Samuel, like in the Millionaire Maker, fading Samuels and playing Juju Smith, I think is a really strong play. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure it makes sense in this this format, but uh, in the Millionaire Maker or like the $3, I think fading Samuels and gaining a ton of leverage versus the field and going Juju is a really strong play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't know if I have the cojones to do that in the single entry, but I agree if you want a million dollars, you're probably going to have to do it without Jalen Samuels. Okay. Um, I like in the single entry, I like Jalen Samuels. That, now I think we're starting off somewhat contrarian. I'd like to get even more contrarian with some afternoon guys. Okay, let's you you kick us off here. I want, I want you to take your stand on a, a contrarian afternoon guy here. So we have Darnold, Robbie, Le'Veon, Jalen Samuels, and Preston, right? Yep. Let's go Hawkinson at mm. tight end. Also going to I know he's been – I've been he's, – he's been marginal so far after the first week, but Oakland has been really bad versus the tight end. Uh, First-round draft pick, uber-talented player. Uh, let's hope he can get in the box. Okay. Excellent here. So then I'm, I'm definitely going to want – hmm. We have some money now. We do – the thing is, is I, it would be nice to have – what do you think about going with Josh Jacobs on the other side to correlate um, with this this Hawkinson player? Is this a play? I'm fine with that. So my thought on Josh Jacobs, I actually thought he – where am I here? I actually thought he was going to be more popular this week, early in the week. I thought people were going to gravitate to him. We got him right now at 6%. And – I don't think that this is a bad spot for him at all. The The concern about him has been what his pass catching role is, which has been very minuscule at two, but we know he's going to get all the high value opportunities inside the red zone. Um, and it is one of those, it's a fragile play in that if they get behind, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Josh Jacobs? Is that getting too cute? No, I don't think it's getting too cute at all. I think he's a talented player. I think this Oakland offense has shown a lot recently. And uh, I think people will be scared off by the injury. Did we get any confirmation? I mean, I saw yesterday uh, he's practicing. He's, it sounds like he's just totally fine. Yeah, let me let us know in the chat. I don't. I haven't seen an update on him. I guess the one thing, too, is to think about, and we'll talk about this, so we'll have the Miami results done. If, if our stack popped off, Pete, we probably wouldn't be going with like a Hawkinson and Jacobs, would we? Or or would we still? If we wanted all the giblets? Um, 
I think we want to win all the money. And I, I Big T just named my next play, which is just so funny because we're really in sync here. Uh, I like, I love where we're at. I, I think okay. we have a really, really good team. We we have one chalky spot, Jalen Samuels, and I got my favorite play on the board in a chalky game. And maybe he's not super contrarian, but I think he's so expensive that he's going to be tough to play for a lot of people. And that's Lockett. I think Lockett goes for two touchdowns this week. We see that just broken defense, long bomb to him. I think Lockett is a great way to get exposure uh, to that game. Uh, I think more people are going to play like Carson, even though Tampa Bay has been a really, really good run defense. So give me all the the Lockett. I I love the Lockett play too. And again, my my intuition model, highly analytical, says Lockett is just due for one of these monster games, right? I really hope so. I, I love Lockett this week. Can yeah. we look at our team and how much money we have left over yeah. too? So I'm going to, I'm going to have to back off the Josh Jacobs play because there's just, we can't leave this much salary on the table, right? Oh, that was our last pick, huh? Yeah. So let's, let's go off. Let's, let's maybe reverse engineer it. Let's pick a defense and then see how much we well, have. How can you get scroll down so I can see what we get, what we're working with here. Oh, sorry. Can you see this? Oh yeah. Okay. So we have 11, five now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what do we? What running back? What running back do we want to use here? Right, because we have some. the The Chub has been talking about uh, the Chub. The, the Chub. Chat, the Chub has been talking about the chat, and the chat has been talking about the Chub. Nick Chubb, I mean, first of all, Pete boots on the ground in Denver. What are the thoughts on Brandon Allen out there, man? Oh, it's gonna be bad. I mean, the Broncos need to lose, and I think this is them. You know, obviously Flacco talking smack after the game, which all of it was just 100% accurate. Uh, you know, they want to go away from him, and this is the perfect time to go into tank mode. Just trying to think, what running back what running back makes the most People sense? are asking for Christian McCaffrey, but uh, that we doesn't out of, We don't have money for the defense. No. What should uh, – let's now see. Now we're, like, we're, like, really looking at Dalvin Cook, huh? Would a Chubb uh, Browns work? Yeah. Yeah, we're leaving some money on the table though. I don't So you like to let's see what Dalvin does? Yeah. What 2K defense? We got the Chargers. Uh, I hate that. Well, I think you do Redskins, right? Josh Allen? I like the Redskins a decent bit. What do we think of this, fellas? I mean, <laughs> is it is Ooh. it making it move? Is it Oh, the chat. I kind of I kind of like this team. Yeah. The Redskins defense is a good play this week. I mean, 1800 obviously uh, they should be priced Logan now, porous they've been this year. But Josh Allen is the king of taking sacks and also takes turnovers. And, you know, it's the NFL. At any point in time, uh, you know, these defenses can show up and there's a lot of guys playing for contracts. So 1,800 for the Redskins defense, I think, is a really strong play. And I, I think Dalvin Cook is just an absolute smash spot. Yeah. Yeah, I like Dalvin here too. Let's – um. Let's think of a few different scenarios here. Let's so, let's so DB saying he doesn't like Hawkinson. If we go away from Hawkinson, which I, I think is fine, like Hawkinson is a very risky play, very yeah. very risky play. So we do have some some other good options there. Uh, one guy that I'm kind of interested in is Greg Olson. I think this is a pretty good spot for Carolina. Curtis Samuel. Uh, is, what, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say if we don't play Christian McCaffrey, that's a good pivot too. We gain some leverage there. In a, and then you could also go back to Janu as well on the other side. Uh, if, uh, do we know? Do we have Delaney Walker status? Do, yeah, I don't know. Someone in the uh, someone in the chub let us know if uh, if uh, Delaney's going to play. But yeah, I think Howard or uh, Howard. Jeez, uh, Greg Olson's probably my favorite play down in this range here. 
Yeah. Oh, Delaney. I really, I'm just a Hawkinson, Hawkinson guy, just in general. I just think he's so talented. But yeah, I, I get it. Um, I really do. The one thing about this lineup, and one thing I'm going to try to do this week, I have high conviction on the Lions passing game being successful. We've seen it so much so far, and especially the last couple of weeks, specifically with Green Bay. And I think given the running back situation, Detroit's going to just have to throw more. So I don't feel comfortable with teams in general that don't have some piece of the Lions passing game. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I hear you on that. Let's, but, yeah, um, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. And like, there's, I mean, obviously you can fade it. Just that's, that was part of the reason I like talking. So, well, here's just a question. I mean, we, we all like Dalvin cook. Um, do you feel like it limits your optionality here that we're going to have three running backs that are all going in the 1 PM slot? Would you prefer to have a little flex flexibility there? We have no flexibility with this team. This is yeah. just, that's the game stack early. This is like, this is the classic tout move, Pete. You, you take a screenshot when you're doing well early on with this team. When Preston Williams the scores, the, there it is. scores the first touchdown and then Robbie Anderson scores, that's when you, you say, oh, look how smart I am. Look how much money I'm winning. What did I just do to my screen trying to take a joke screenshot? Um, so, oh, there it goes. What, um, but let's just say in this stack, let's say it did moderately well, Pete, but you're not absolutely crushing. You have to get off a locket, right? I just don't know if Lockett's going to be super heavily owned. What other receivers do we have an option to go to? I mean, Keaton Allen will probably be low owned with the uh, ownership uh, or with the injury, I guess. I, I like Mike Lockett- Williams a lot, but he's probably going to be chalky. Yeah, so we have uh, we have Tyler Lockett right now as the fifth highest owned at fifteen percent. I just uh, really, I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just don't see how that's going to come to fruition. I guess a lot of people are going to play Russell Wilson stacks, which is what will lead to that. Yeah. The, but the nice thing is, is you are going to have it split between him and DK Metcalf. And I know there's a big price difference here, but at similar ownership, I mean, breaking ties in favor of Lockett seems like a no brainer. Yeah. Surprised yeah. Cortland Sutton's so high in the ownership projections. Yeah. I just I think a lot of people are going to have to go cheaper at, at receiver if they want to jam in Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, because everyone's going to use Samuels as an option to get up to one, if not both of those guys. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, if you were really trying, if let's say that ownership is correct, um, and you were mentioning how we didn't have Hawkinson, I would maybe look to pivot to Marvin Jones in this lineup if we didn't have the nuts. Yeah, I mean, big T is saying we got the nuts. <laughs> and I really hope it's Deion Kane season after T.Y. Hilton. That's O.J. Howard and Deion Kane have really let me down this year. Really yeah. let me down. But yeah. best ball is trending. It's really trending. All right, guys. Really trending. I think this is pretty good. I mean, we gave you the nuts. We, you know, to make sure we met, you know, or didn't break any terms and, uh, you know, regulations, we fiddled with it enough. Do we want to make a, a quick team just quickly with like a, a late stack? Just real quick? Yeah, let's do it. You know, I, di- I didn't want to. Uh, I know you got stuff I'm to fine, do, dude. but if, if you got the I'm time to make a late a stack. Bit. Let's make a late stack. Let's you started off, though. All right. Late stack. Let me look at my options here. Let's um, let's see. So I was earlier in the week a little interested in Rivers at his price, but now I'm a little worried. I was reading the uh, the article about uh, the offensive line defensive line mismatch, and uh, yeah. that has me a little worried about that. 
However, I do think you could make a case for Rodgers here at pretty low ownership. Why don't we start with Rodgers? How do you feel about that? Yeah, let's do Rodgers. And I'm going to make the next pick. Let's go Juju and let's not play uh, Let's not play Samuels. Okay, we're going to get funky, guys. This is this what happens. A, this is the contrarian team. This is the contrarian team. Um, so I guess we – it sounds like Devontae Adams is going to go. Do we – if he goes, we fire him up, right? Yeah, we're playing Rodgers. It's, it's, it's fire away. Should we do it, dude? Should we just hang yeah. some dong and play uh Let's Rogers just play Devontae Adams? Adams. I love that. Okay. All right. You, uh, you take us here. We got a very unique lineup going. Um, Let's keep it going with unique. Let's go Keenan Allen away from Mike Williams. So I expect to be chalk. What do you guys have for the ownership uh, on those receivers? Yeah, we got Keenan at 15% and Mike what? Williams at 10%. Oh, that can't be right. <laughs> bang, bang, shots fired, Jimmy. I mean, that, just, that cannot be right. <laughs> um, I, 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 I prefer Mike Williams in a big way. So that I, I really do, but I was trying to go away from like what I normally do here. Well, um, we do have, because we're a little more expensive here, I think we could probably end up using the savings. You want to just go Williams? Sure. Let's go Williams. I think Mike yeah. Williams is a phenomenal play by the way. Yeah. I mean, Green Bay, the one, the one, the one argument against that would be you have the offensive defensive line mismatch and Green Bay does have a really talented secondary, but Mike Williams at some point is going to have some really good regression. The air mar- yards model, he's been like the top of the buy low. That is a little skewed because he had a couple Hail Mary incompletes, but man, he's he's got super high upside. And last year he was on the positive side of just catching too many touchdowns. Um, yeah. I don't know. Someone I like brings him. up someone brings up a good point. I know we said we hey, weren't going to pull- Oh, go ahead. By the way, we got breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. Chat. Josh Gordon to the Seahawks. Really, really interesting. Uh, him and him and DK. No way Metcalf. he plays this week. But man, that DK is doing that, that Spider-Man good. meme. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Someone brought up a good point, Pete. We were just talking about not missing on the Michael Thomas Latavius combo. Is is Juju and Jalen Samuels? This week's Latavius and Michael Thomas. I'm I'm fine with it if you want to if you want to throw it in there. No, I mean I I like I I think it's just something we can we consider, but I don't I don't think we have to do it here because this one this lineup is to win a million dollars. Um, here's a question. I think we fade Samuels. I think that's really the move because what are the Steelers implied for? It's not like they're. I think the difference is last week you know, you have the Saints that are implied for a ton of points, especially when Breeze coming back. Yeah. Um. So you know that they're gonna you know put up a ton of points. Uh, they have one of the best offensive lines. I know it's the Bears, but like, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, not the Bears. That was Week Seven. The uh, Saints played. Uh, who they played last week? Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. Even I mean, come on. So at the home one, versus the Cardinals, they're implied for a million. Right. I don't think. I don't think. Would there be anything more tilting than having a Roger stack and not having Aaron Jones in it and just watching him pop off? I was going to say I want to go Aaron Jones. Yeah, we need him. I can't imagine Rodgers going berserk. And, and Aaron Jones right now in the screen game is incredible. The best part about this lineup, too, is you have hope throughout the whole day. Hope. And that's what this is about. Hope is hope. very important. Just if you think life is short, hope is very important, man. That's right. Very, very important. Single entry Sunday's hope. not ruined. If you're all in on the 1 p.m. game and it goes bad, your Sunday's open. 
yeah, you go out for lunch, you have a nice glass of wine, you come back yeah. and see how the boys do. Exactly. You All right. Fire up a bag, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know if that, uh, am I allowed to? Uh, yeah, we're going to have to talk to corporate about that. Dan Box in the chat. He's going to kick us off. That's right. Um, all right. Who are you going with here? Uh, now that we got Rogers, Jones, Adams with uh, Mike Williams coming back, and we got Juju right now as a one-off. Where are you going? I know you we like the go. Lions. We got to go cheap. Oh, man. Uh, let's see here. Let me just look at a couple things. I mean, we, you, this want, you, want, you want a millionaire maker winning team play? I got oh, one yeah. for you. He's Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman, Broncos D. Wow. Wow. Now we people, are getting off. Now we are getting off the reservation. See, I think people sometimes are, you know, they might cry homerism here, Pete. You noted Bronco fans. So defend this Royce Freeman play. I mean, I think the Broncos with a, you know, this quarterback who's garbage, I think the one thing they can do to be successful is try to establish the run. And this Broncos defense against Baker and this offensive line, then they can get pressure. They get a, you know, a couple turnovers. Royce Freeman's a talented player still. Uh, Lindsey and Freeman, and we got all the optionality and we're maximizing our hope throughout the day. Yeah, and the nice thing uh, about Royce is he's generally had a pretty uh, steady pass-catching role. Last week it dipped a little bit, but that was just a disaster of a game. And you got I'm fine with Lindsay too. If you want to call Lindsay over Royce, I have them projected close, obviously. But uh, if you have a strong preference on Lindsay, maybe Lindsay with the elite speed is a better play. Uh, he's been more heavily owned throughout the year, but I think both are going to be just – so contrarian that if you want to go Lindsay, I'm fine with it. So let's, no, let's see how the salary breaks down. We can go either one. Yeah, no, I, I prefer Freeman too, because yeah, I get, although I guess if you're correlating with Broncos D to me, I view Freeman as a little more of the playing catch up back versus Lindsay, maybe, you know, hammering at home if the Broncos are winning. So maybe Lindsay correlates a little bit better with Broncos D, but I think they're both good. This is my attempt to be contrarian. So no judgment in the chat. No judgment I, I, in the chat. I, no judgment. Okay, I, I finally have to get off the play that I want here in this. This is the Millie-making team. We're running out four wide receivers. I'm playing Marvin Jones, all right? Perfect. And then oh. – I'll go ahead. How much Look we at got this. The, uh, what's that? How much we got? 4,300 for tight 4, end? 4,300 for tight end. In this economy? Hmm. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, Zach Ertz were 400 away from. Well, we could go down from Broncos D. I don't know if Freeman and Broncos D are a beautiful correlation that we have to have it. Okay. If you would uh, want to get up to Ertz. I would love to get up to Ertz. What was 2,500? We had Pittsburgh D, 2,400, but we don't have Jalen Samuels. Maybe we go the Ricky D, the receiver in the defense. Yeah, I can dig that. Not the worst idea. No. The, Although the, the Colts, I don't like Pittsburgh D at all. The Colts offensive line is so good. Uh, Oakland defense versus the Lions. I don't really love that. What do you think about Chiefs at home? Could they get a couple turnovers? Yeah, they could. This is how you win the Millie, right, Pete? Yeah, let's do it. There it is, guys. Everyone put that in the Millie. We'll chop it you know, 400 ways. Doesn't that sound Perfect. like a great time? Sounds uh, great. Awesome. No, though, but uh, Pete, thank you uh, for hopping on. This was really fun. Man, I love you, bud. You're the best. This was a good time, guys. The chat, thank you guys for, for coming out and talking about wood and pipe.
and dong and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, we'll keep running this back. If you guys enjoy these on Friday, definitely, uh, as if I need to plug Pete stuff, you know, where to find him at CSU Ram 88 action network, DFS edge pod, all that good stuff. Pete, anything I'm missing here? No, shout out to big T shout out to Dan box. Sorry again for playing off the route and, uh, man, this is your week, bud. This is the week where you turn that negative 700 into plus 49,000, whatever change. This is your week, bud. This is the week, baby. It's the Pete Jennings bump, as Z Pruitt said in the uh, in the chat. Imagine being CSU, just token up and playing golf every day. The dream. That's what it's I'm the dream if you're playing well. This summer, <laughs> I was truly living the dream for a stretch. If you're playing bad, stand ask Dan Bach. It's it's a it's a scary time and. Yeah, it's uh, hopefully a week where we win a lot of money. That's that's what we're going for. Let's let's have the community take home the cheese this week. That's right. We're taking home the cheese. I believe that uh, is a nice pun for our Rogers uh, Green Bay stack here. Uh, <laughs> you our, are savvy. All right, guys. We will see you next week. I will have my lineup review slash tilt session up on Monday. But no, it's not going to be tilt. It's going to be all champagne in that good stuff. Thank you guys for coming out. This has been the single entry bankroll challenge live build with Pete Jennings.